You are listening to the Photo Bomb podcast with the world's greatest photographers, Boo Ray and Gary. Welcome to the Photo Bomb podcast. My name is Boo Ray Perry. Joining me as always is Gary Hughes. Yodelay hoo and for part two of the life and times of Randy Van Dynen, lucky us, we actually have Randy Van Dynen. The Randy Van Dynen? Last week on the show, we talked about all of the architectural work you do and the commercial work you do. And this week, I want to talk about, for lack of a better way of phrasing it, the Photoshop work. The artwork that you do. You're a master artist. Mm-hmm. And if you go to Randy's website, which is... RVDphotography.com. You're going to see such a such a different type of style. You're going to see here's El Capitan, and here's a woman. Randy Van Dynen, <laughs> riding on his unicorn, fighting the robots and zombies. Exactly. And you're also going to see... <laughs> Metal bikinis and wings, robots fighting zombies, and chicks in bikinis with wings. <laughs> you're going to see... Swing in the morning sky. <laughs> To fight off the evil hordes of darkness. And is extra out of this world. I mean, you, I look, you look at it and you just think, I can't imagine how much work that takes. Not only could I not do it, I couldn't even think of the no, idea. No, I couldn't think of the ideas, and I certainly couldn't do the work. And so how does a guy who takes pictures of the interior of Chili's, uh, you know, Tex-Mex... The most boring stuff ever. ...then somehow transition into these beautiful works of art? Well, this has been something... Um, I'd start out, actually, when I worked for different photographers... I saw that everything that they did was just work. Photography wasn't fun anymore for them. And I told myself that wasn't going to happen to me. So I give myself um, self-projects. It started out a bunch of years ago with Disappearing Florida with HDR and small ones. But uh, a few years ago, I said, I really like to get my master artist. And I really like to get good at compositing. And Which so, is your master artist would be your, your from competing in the artist category at PPA... Yeah. You get a degree, et cetera, for doing that. Part of the International Photographic Competition, right? That's yes. correct. Okay. Yeah. Just want to make sure we're talking about the same master artist thing. Yes, yes, it is. And it's not like problem. one you give yourself. No, no. I, I mean, I'd like to, but my, <laughs> my wife takes them down and says you can't do that anymore. <laughs> so. Do you know you can go to a trophy shop and have them make any yeah. trophy yeah. you want to make? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Make great gag, g- gag gifts. Trophies yeah. do. <laughs> All yeah. right. So, so anyway, I um, decided to be, become good at it. And wanted to be you know, learn to do it, and so I just started playing around with stuff I just had on my computer already, things that I had shot, uh, like at Photoshop World of some models and backgrounds I'd taken at some of the workshops and landscapes, and then competed a little bit, started showing people things, and then said, okay, if I'm going to do this, I really have to do it, and started thinking up ideas that I wanted to do. Even in the time I've known you, which is probably about four years or so, mm-hmm. I've seen, and we used to talk about your work even when you really got on the, the, the path of doing digital art and, and the difference between where you started and where you, and I just am blown away by the ability of someone at this stage in your career to take on a totally new task and learn a totally new skill set. And then not only that, but be at, you've, you've won awards, you've been on the cover of 
magazines you're you're placing in the world photographic cup with your digital art which is and your architectural work obviously but like this is it's it's incredible that you committed yourself to it just by making time for personal projects yeah well you know if if you don't you you get very um, you know stagnant you know, it just it. And like I said, I want the love. I love photography. I love going out and shooting. You're that guy. Yes. I yeah. Am. He's that guy. He's who, that guy. Who, listen, I mean, like you just you saw the pictures and you were like, "Wow, that looks cool. I think I'd like to try that." And the next thing you know, you've got models standing in tubs and you're drenching them with with, with milk. No. And how many how many times did you have to hit him with the milk? Uh, for over an hour, I was splashing milk on the model that's and then compositing tough. it all together to make it so that they have milk clothes. That's right. And that's a personal project. No one's paying you. No one's paying me. Yeah. See the whole. Oh. Man, yeah. I mean, I mean, and one of those sho- any of those shoots that I do where I'm hi- hiring models. There's the model. There's a stylist. There's um, I rent the studio because I don't have a studio. Um, I have my assistant there, and I usually have um, I'm give out his name because he's a great guy. Lee Burgess. I usually rent his studio. Good old Lee Burgess. Yeah, Lee's a good guy. He's a good guy, and he helps me out too. So we have a whole crew. He's left handed and he has webbed feet. Did you guys know that? <laughs> All right. I don't know where that came the from. The legend of Lee Burgess. Okay. <laughs> Hashtag Lee Burgess. Anyway, so, I mean, so we're having a whole crew there when we do these. And, you know. And it's all out of pocket for you with no with no recoup on these expenses. It's just a personal passion for you. Yeah. Just like a guy wonder. who's got a big train set. <laughs> We've talked about this before. about And, I, and when I teach, I, I say this a lot. It's like having doing what you love for a living can take the joy out of it for you. Sure. Is if you take your hobby, which a lot of photographers in the business today, they take something that was a passion, it was a hobby, and they've turned it into the thing they used to make their living. It can take all the joy away. Sure, sure. And so and, and I, a lot of successful photographers like you, people that I know, have said over and over and over again, you have to make at least some time for personal projects or you're going to, or photography, you're going to lose a love of it. Even if you're doing something, you're shooting for work, something that you like, having to pay your bills or something is the best way to learn to hate it. Yeah. And also you get, st- you, you, you don't learn anything new. You're doing the same thing over and over and over again and you don't learn anything new. You're not taking anything to the next level. You, you know, you're just saying, this is what I do every day. I know how to light. I can put a strobe here and do this, and it's going to look great, and they're going to pay me for it. But you're not going, but, you know, the, the young kid that just came out of college who's thinking different than you, and there's new technology, he's putting that light there too, but he's doing some other things and getting, you know, more people going, wow, look at what he's doing. I just find it so interesting, the two areas that you specialize in, because it's like a guy who makes his living with a tractor factory on the side, he's building a Tesla. I mean, there's so, you know, it's both cars, but they're so to- two totally different worlds to the architectural photography, the interiors would, that you do. And then, and then you go over to the, to, I mean, I, you, I mean, it's extreme Photoshop that you do, Randy. I would disagree. We're not that talking about cleaning up though. faces and stuff. But, we're talking about crafting wings and we're, you know, feather by feather. We're talking about the milk shots. I mean, it's, it's so different than architectural. Now, one of the things when I first started to see you develop your, your artist, artistic skills, digitally was i'm amazed by how many of the elements in your composite images your fantasy your 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 artistic stuff that you make in photoshop like you don't necessarily not everything in the picture is something that you photographed although a lot of it is some of these elements you're like i saw you had zeppelins in one image and you had made those in photoshop yeah i couldn't find any kind of zeppelins that i could use or photograph myself or anything and i'm just like i bet i can make something so i just started started one afternoon for a few hours started drawing it out in photoshop adding shadows and textures and all this other stuff and tried to make it 
you know, something that I think would look cool in the image. How much time do you spend on an, on an average one of your artistic composites, just post production, not on, actually let, shooting? Let's pick a let's pick a pick a particular one. You know what? Well, I'll ask about the one you were you had one that was displayed at the Gerald Ford Museum recently. Yes. Okay, and it's the it's the what was the name of it? It was um, Redemption. Redemption. It's on the website. Yes, beautiful. We're going to get it it's for the, the Facebook page. It's, a, it's an angel in repose with the wings and the light coming down. How much time was spent on that image? Probably somewhere between thirty and forty hours. Is that just post production? Just post production. Yeah. That actually seems low. I would, you know, well, that that one really doesn't have very many elements in it. That one really only has three three main elements in it, plus all the you know adding lighting effects and all this other stuff. Things like um, the milk. The, the Milk Angel, that one was probably more like 50 to 60 hours because of having to fit all those bits and pieces back into the model the right way and knowing right. where to cut. Or even um, the other one I shot um, where there's like a, a, I can't think of the name of it right now, um, where the woman is um, in, has like a spider body. Yeah, oh, the yeah. spider body yeah. one, which reminds me of Wawa West. Yeah, exactly. That one took forever. I mean, there's so if you look at that, if you look at that one, there are so many elements in that piece. Every Just, little bolt and every little rusted piece of metal is is a different element you had to bring in and add yeah, to it. Yeah, and I had to photograph them too. I mean, you know, I had to f- find all these little itty bitty gears, photograph them. That is nuts, Randy Van Dynen. That is just crazy that you want to do that. Wait, now that's this- like a guy who says, "I'm going to make a bridge, but first I'm going to whittle all the pieces myself out of sticks." <laughs> I this is this is what I want to get to. Is it therapeutic for you? Yes. Like this is when you're at home, you got a glass of wine, you you got your own time, and it just helps your brain unwind. Yeah. Like I I love doing this. I I mean. I, um, I, I do. I sit at my computer in the evening, uh, a couple glasses of wine, and, and start working on this sort of stuff or coming up with a new idea. I mean, have you had the opportunity to use the skills that you've developed in your personal time in your business? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I use a lot of the different types of, you know, selecting. I mean, when, you, when you're doing these composites, you're having to learn how to select things, select them fairly quickly, or else you're going to be. You're having to do a whole lot of extraction. Yes. Like buttloads and buttloads of pant loads. Of the extraction, yeah. And well, then, what, then which is to, which is the greater amount, pants loads or butt loads? I would say pant load because a pants can hold more than your butt. Tr- okay, trust me. So on, on the on the scale <laughs> in the hierarchy, pant load more than butt load. Well, you've got um, if, if you had a butt load of something and I had a pant load of something, I would have more. I would say it goes pant load at the top, uh, right. and then that's uh, the most. It's the pant load. Now maybe shit load is the most. Shit load, pant load, uh, butt load. I would know. I would argue that 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 butt load and shit load are very similar. Buttload and shitload, but the shitload is sort of ambiguous. Like you could put a load of shit into a dump truck. Okay, and that's a good point. So, so a shitload could be a lot. It could be a lot. Shitload okay. is the penultimate. Then there's pant load, and then there's buttload because right. only what can be held in your butt. Yeah. God, we, I'm glad we have that cleared up. Good. All right. Yeah, I'm glad that when you guys talk to me, that this is welcome the to the show. Goes. <laughs> welcome yeah. to the show, Randy. Van Dyne. Yeah, I need a shitload of that. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Okay, and so here's the thing that's so daunting for me with Photoshop, and I think for a lot of other people, it's that Photoshop is such a composite of so many different things that it does that it can be because you go at it and you're like, okay, so I, you know, I can do this thing. Oh, you know what? I need to, I need to do this thing over here. Well, that, what's that? Well, that's like a raster. Well, let me go into that. Oh my God. Trying to learn how to deal with rasters or what, that's a whole other learning curve that you've got to learn. And then if you want to learn how to deal with color management or, or different, you know, cause I know I watched you one time in a live presentation talking about it. You shot a cathedral and the color was 
different on one side than the other. So now you've got to go home, go in and make that. That's not like a, just a push a button and fix it. You've got to really go down that rabbit hole and learn how that works a lot of times. There's yeah. a certain and amount And that's what's of- so daunting about Photoshop is that it's not, it's like a car. It's like, I know, I know how to build a car. Well, that's a lot of different things you've got to understand to build a car. There's a certain amount of, in the industry today, Sometimes, like some of the old school photographers are like, "Well, that's just all Photoshop," and I go, "Yeah, it is, and it's really hard it's to be that good. Extremely hard to be that good. At it. <laughs> extremely hard." Yeah, well, I mean, you know, and if you want to compete on this level, you you have to learn more. I mean, it's not just like I just learned this up. I've gone to different classes for it. I, you know, I've gone and studied with Richard Sturdivant. Um, you know, I've gone to Jane Zeiser's and learned painting. Sandra Pierce learned painting. Um, I look on stuff on YouTube, on Kelby One, all these different places. It's, it's it, to me, it's a to do this sort of stuff. I, to do our job in general, you have to continuously be learning on what you're doing, and you know this this pushes me to learn more stuff. Um, you know, it pushes me to watch what other people are doing and seeing how they're doing that, and how can I incorporate that into something that I want to do. But it's still all really. A passion product. I mean, I, I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I've never seen where you're like, oh, because someone saw this work, they asked me to come photograph their family, and I did it. I mean, do you? I mean, you still really don't do that sort of stuff. I don't do that stuff, but there is an ulterior motive for me doing this. I, I, I do have a plan of hopefully doing some of the stuff more commercially, more corporate for more corporate type clients. So, and where would that come into play? Who do you think would need that sort of that level of work? Everybody. Movie posters. Oh, mo- well, movie posters. Coca Cola. Nike, uh, you, you know everybody, people like that. I mean, I, I'm hoping to go after some, going after bigger clients because they have the bigger budgets. Because you see ads now in magazines, you know, I, I, you know for mm-hmm. Coke or whatever. Here's a guy with the bottle, and you look at it and you're like, that picture's composited. You, oh. you know, it was composited. In advertising illustrations, almost everything is composited. There's right. almost nothing that's not cut out and used to know everything from like billboards with lawyers on it to really you know intricate ads for sports teams or concerts. Like there's, I mean, everywhere you go, this type of digital work is all over the place. Yeah, yeah. it's really, really relevant. Yeah. yeah, and and that's what I'm going for. I mean, that's how come I do some more of the crazy stuff because I want people to see how far it can go, not just not just putting someone on a different background or putting bits or pieces in. It's it's a feeling, an emotion, you know, some sort of story within it. What about know? fine art? What about what about selling your pieces as fine art? Yeah, I mean, the one part, the one piece that you were talking about, the redemption. Um, that was in the big art competition up in Grand Rapids. Did Michigan. you sell it? Five thousand five hundred. Boom! Boom! Well, that's a pretty good for thirty hours worth of work. I'll say that's <laughs> yeah. not too shabby. Uh, you know what was? We're talking about it about the commercial uses of this stuff. I saw one of the first examples of this I've ever seen. We were driving down. Uh, this was when we were uh, a couple weeks ago back in Atlanta. We were driving to the uh, convention. And I saw a billboard, and it looked like uh, one of the really high-end composited, like for a TV show or a movie, like you know how movies will be on billboards and stuff. And I was, and I looked at it, and I go, "Oh, that's funny. I haven't heard of that movie or that show." And as we got closer, I realized it was an advertisement for a law firm that they had hired somebody yes. to photograph it and make it look like a movie poster. Yes, yep. and it was like the strong yes. arm of the law or something like that. That my my wife saw one like that recently because there was a show that used to be on TNT called Franklin and Bash. Yeah, that's that's Franklin show was and Bash lawyers. Terrible. And um, we actually 
used to watch it. And we were going out, and she saw a billboard, and she goes, look, Franklin and Bash. And sure enough, the billboard looked like it was the intro to the show, Franklin and Bash. They were doing the whole, you know, they're back-to-back, and they're the crusading lawyers, or blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you're really starting to see but that. this a guy was like he had a briefcase under his arm. Look, he was running from an explosion with sunglasses <laughs> on. Like, it was really elaborate. Huh. And I thought, this type of work, you could really set yourself apart in a, re- in a, in a traditionally really kind of mundane market, like mm-hmm. po- posters for lawyers and doctors or whatever, or real estate agents. If you could give them something like that, you know, mm-hmm. if you could say, I'm going to make a billboard that everybody's going to look at twice because they're going to go, ooh, what's that new movie? And sure. it's going to be your law firm or it's going to be your whatever. Yeah. I thought that was, that was a really cool idea. The only hitch was I almost – like there's a level of – I have this theory about billboard photography and the, or advertising in general, local advertising. If something looks too polished – People dismiss it as not being local to them. Do you ever make that mistake? Whereas, sure. like, if you look at a because I, uh, yeah, your local commercials are always a little bit crappy, and the, and that's how you know you're getting a local ad is the quality right. isn't as good. And so I'm driving down when I drive to your house to record this show. I drive by this billboard, and I'm sure you've seen it, Randy, and I know you've seen it, Boo. Is there's a billboard for an RV sales company, and it's three guys, and it's these I don't they're all partners or fathers and sons or something. They sell RVs, and they got a huge billboard on I four headed west towards Tampa, and it's uh, there's they're standing out in just what looks like a, a cell phone photo standing in just bright sunlight, like raccoon shadows under the eyes. <laughs> it's just the shittiest photo. For, and you said, you know what? They're paying thousands of dollars a month for the billboard, and they could have got a better photo than that for a couple hundred bucks. Some, right. A good photographer would have done them a nice shot. And I'm thinking, you know what? If it looked too good, somebody might think it's not local. Like, I look at it, and because the quality is kind of shit, I know that it's local, and so I know that it applies. There's like a weird wall of like local versus national advertising yeah, I in see your that. I, I see that, but at the same time, I, I, I think just a decent shot of them wouldn't necessarily put me off of it being Decent, local. right, but we're talking about... But if you, you really go extreme, then it becomes, that's, yeah, that's national. That movie poster, because you're so used to what these things should look like. Right, But imagine right, if you right. were able to build a clientele doing like what you do, Randy, for local clients and really making them stand out to where people... I looked at that thing twice, and every time we drove by it, I noticed it. Man, that is cool. I have a question. And, and, and you want to know what? You can charge them a whole lot more for doing something he, like that. Yes. I want to back up to Redemption. You said you sold it. Mm-hmm. How does that work? What did the guy... What did, what do they get when they buy that? Do they get a print? Do they, they, well, they got this was they bought, actually bought the um, piece that was at the art competition. So you had a, oh, so it was a, a big, big it, it was huge. It right? was um, forty seven inches by sixty four inches, mounted under acrylic. Oh, so it okay. Was laminated oh. to acrylic. That's cool. Oh, you okay. Know? That's so, a cool I mean, look. They they got a crate delivered to them. Okay, it was all right. In a wooden crate that they had the, that was built the for shipping it. was as much as the image. Because I always <laughs> wonder about that when you hear like about uh, you know famous. Pictures of photographers, you know, go selling at auction, and, and and this print that sold at auction, and I think, well, can't they just make more prints? You know, how, well, how do you drive? Well, a, you, you actually have to if, if you're going to limited sell, edition, limited or? edition. They have to be limited edition. If it's not limited edition, scarcity equals value. Yeah. So, did you decide, you know, with that image when you before you ever went out with it, did you in your head say to yourself, okay? This is going. I'm, I'm never going to pr- allow this to be printed more than X amount of times. Or is that something yeah. you decide after the fact? No, most, you know who's famous for that is Peter Lick. I'm Peter Lick. Yeah, I mean Peter Lick does his usually 99 or less. In 35. some cases, he sold out the buyout and to the, the image for 
a couple of million bucks where it's the only one mm-hmm. where you all oh, you get that's it no one else and gets you it. get the rights like no well, see then, then it. it becomes a true original like a painting if you've got it no one else has got it yeah i mean i i look at most of my if it's if it's a large print on art paper and things like that it's a um, limit of 25 i only make 25 of those if it's a you know like the big one i just did i probably only do five of those Okay, so you can't, get, yeah, so you can't get that print big. There's only five, and that's it. Yeah. If you don't have one of those five, it's not, you're not, there's no way you can get it. Even yeah. though you've got the file sitting at home, you can't, you will not print it. I will not. And that's what preserves the value. The value, and that's what, that's what the people are buying. They're not just buying that print, they're buying that it's a limited edition, and that most likely, hopefully, if I keep going, that it'll gain in value too. You know, Disney's doing that now. If, I know, next time you go down to uh, downtown Disney, which is now called Disney Springs, there's a little art gallery in there now. That's uh, inside this little shop with a bunch of other stores in it. But they're taking, they're using these different artists to do their own interpretations of classic Disney films, princesses, whatever. And they're creating these really cool art pieces. And um, you can buy the original, like a limited edition um, reprint of the original, like printed on canvas or whatever. And then they also have like little 8x10s that you can buy that are not limited. And uh, they're selling these limited edition art pieces that are really, really cool. And then you can get like T-shirts of them, but they're all like different artist interpretations. It's a real boutiquey thing. And once they sell eighty of the original, they're gone, and they bring in something else, and then they're gone, and then they bring in something else. It's really kind of interesting how that. And you know that they're Disney, that they could print a million of those and everybody could have yeah. them in their house. But creating that scarcity gives it value because every single one's got the like 45 out of 80 on the bottom corner of it. So you take that to your house and somebody comes and looks at that piece and they go, wow, only 80 people in the world have this piece? Like that's pretty, that's pretty neat. Yeah, I, I have, I have a, a photograph from another photographer uh, long past um, who photographed John Coltrane for um, the Blue Train album cover. Oh, awesome. And it's a limited edition um, print. There's only 250 of them made, and I have one of them. And that so, means a lot to you. And that means a lot. Well, because it, there are only 250. Right. Yeah, that's, that's pretty dope. I'm, I'm fascinated by the idea, though, of taking pictures and having there be only one. I'm just fascinated because, you know, painters do it all the time. If someone's going to pay you a million bucks. Yeah. yeah. I'm just fascinated by that idea that you would create a piece of art and be like, this is it. This is the only print. If you you, buy this one, this is it. But you can also get the Mona Lisa on a t-shirt for $9.99 on Amazon. (laughs) You know, it's like. (laughs) Right. Like, to me, it's Mona Lisa. There she is. Yeah. So I don't, yeah, I don't, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting world, uh, the world that you're in. It's a different world too. I mean, you know, it's, it's, I mean, I, I live in St. Petersburg, which is a very, Art community in, in that area, home of the a Dolly, the newlywed, and the nearly dead, and the, and, and the Dolly Museum. The Dolly, the Dolly Museum, Museum is there, and, but it's you know not the and, Dolly Parton Museum, no, like the Salvador no, no, Dolly, totally different Dolly, museum. Yes, yeah. Although I think I might like the Do- the Dolly Parton Museum better. <laughs> I would Dollywood. Yeah, I think she's just charming as hell. I love Dolly. Who doesn't love Dolly <laughs> Parton? Dolly Parton. You don't like Dolly Parton? Something's wrong with you, dude. Her her Christmas album with Kenny Rogers is awesome. Yeah, yeah that's a great. By the way, Christmas is long past, but I'm yes. just saying that's good. So anyway, you live in St. Pete. Anyway, and so there's a big art community, and going down to look at different artists and talk to the different galleries and stuff like this, I enjoy that, and it is a different world. I mean, it's so different than my commercial world. I mean, it's you know night and day. I mean, corporate. We're talking about, um, you know, um, copyrights and everything else, leasing out the copyrights. Here, we're out here trying to sell artwork, you know, selling, you know, landscapes or something else that I did. So it's, it, it is a different world. And, and it's cool you're to, at. to dabble in those, you know, to, to, you got the, although there is definitely art 
and an artistic part of your mm-hmm. of of your. I mean, I joke that it's the most boring thing in the world, but architectural photography makes some people yawn. But for those people who are into it, you go, "Holy crap, that's incredible!" And there is definitely an art to what you do, but uh, it's generally viewed as a very utilitarian, necessary part of doing business in that world. Whereas art is completely in the imagination, and the value is given to it by whoever happens to fall in love with it when they see it. And I think that's a really cool way to use your creativity in two completely different ways so that you have what you do for a living and you separate it from also using that same art with a different skill set to to use that creative part of your mind that keeps you loving photography and loving you, you, loving making art, which is kind of a neat thing. Like, I mean, I'm never going to do that. But. No, no. <laughs> no one's ever going to pay me $300 for a limited edition of, of couple under bamboo married on the beach. <laughs> Hefty couple in the sand. Yeah, it's not, not going to be happening anytime soon. Husky bride hiding yes. behind flowers. Yes, that's not, not, not going to be not going to be selling down the art gallery on the corner anytime soon. I think what, this is just a personal observation, though. When it comes to the architecture style of work, I, I find the bigger it's displayed, the more impressive it is. Like when I look at like what was the airport that you was it in Boston or whatever the yeah Boston uh, no the airport the Boston Convention Center maybe that's what it was the Boston yeah, Convention Center that was a killer Center. image it was a fantastic image. But when you see that image, I, I think that you can look at a smaller version of an image that's a, a portrait of a woman or something like that, and you're like, oh, that's great. And when you look at one of your smaller, you, uh, that's great. But if you take one of your images and you blow it up, and I'm thinking of like uh, people who are rich and they have the money to put a giant piece of work behind their desk in their in their office or whatever. When you take a piece like that and you really blow it up, that's when it re- got the, the wow factor. I mean, yeah, the impact just really hits you, and specifically, have you ever watched the show Castle? Yeah. Behind his desk, he has a shot looking down a spiral staircase, and it's big. And if you just looked at it small, you'd be like, okay. But when it's big on the wall, it really start, it really pulls you in. And I think that that's true of architectural photography is that is that when you when you really blow it up, it, it just takes on a whole new a whole new dynamic. Well, I'm gonna talk about Gary. Gary, you ask how I can, you know if if the, any of the skills I do for my artistic work go into my commercial work. Um, I had a job last year. It ended up being a sixty thousand dollar job where I took 3D renderings of the Tampa Bay, the Tampa airport, and then I had taken photographs, and I had to put all this stuff into the redo and make it look real. Yeah, I saw those. He had to, he had, he had to yeah. have what pictures from the future is basically yeah, yeah. what you had to do. Yeah, yeah. You had pictures of the airport that was going to look like. What it's yeah. going to look like. You took actual pictures of the airport with the conceptual drawings from an architect or whoever, right? And you had to make them look real. I had to take bits and pieces from my photographs and put it into the 3D renderings. Put tile with a tile pattern, everything else in there. And um, is basically about too much time. Holy cow! Yeah. So now, when you if you walk through the airport, you'll see here's what's coming, and you see a picture of what it's going to look and, like. And tens of thousands of people walk by that every day and have no idea what you put in. No into idea no the idea. work that goes. And you just that. sit there and you just count your money, going like, "Who cares?" <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is, now now the ones that I did because mine were very conceptual. Now those are gone because now they the new architects. The it's, it's been changed. It's been changed, and they got the better. They got new working. So they're going to hire you again? No, 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 ah. no, 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 no. It's like they're they're building it right now, so it's like okay. We've We're got here. you for a few more minutes, and I want to. I don't want to open up a big can of worms, but I want to get your take on this. Because we talk about you and I not on the show as much, but we talk about image competition a lot. <laughs> okay, ah, I yeah, do want to talk about this. talk about image competition. Okay, yeah. I want to, this very narrow subject because I right. know you got to go. You got another appointment mm-hmm. with another famous photographer that you got to get to in another part of town. How do you feel about photography versus 
um, our, our electronic imaging in competition. To me, and I'll kick it off, I feel like that in the photographic uh, side of the competition, you there sh- it should be, I think compositing should be eliminated from the photographic competition, and that electronic imaging should be electronic imaging. Different, both excellent, but I think that in order to keep it nice, to keep it clean, and to stop all the conflict, we should just go, okay, this is it, and this is it. You feel, you feel that's the dividing line, composite? I do. I think, okay. it's a, I, don't, I think single— Or at least we start there. I think that's a good place to start the conversation, um, but digital artists, because you're in both worlds, you're excellent mm-hmm. at both things, and so you would be the perfect person to lay, this is it, this is what I think. So tell me, how do you feel about compositing in the photographic category? I think— I, I think you're right. I mean, I, I saw that more this year that I'm going, you know, we know a couple of the people that, that compete both in both those um, both um, categories. And I'm looking at that, and I go, there's nothing different in his photography category than from the EI yeah, category. Yeah, you see, you, see, you see somebody who puts four pictures into each category, and it's like they just flipped a coin over which category they would put them in. Yeah, exactly. The, the only difference is one has reference images, the other one doesn't. Right. Um, I, I, I think there's a problem there because... I mean, reference images, for those of you who don't compete, is when they show the, the completed picture, and then along the edge, there will be three or four other smaller pictures that show the pictures that they use to make the completed picture. It shows mm-hmm. the judges in the competition how much right. work you put into it. It's basically, and, I started with these three crappy pictures, and look what I did right. with and it. And that would be an electronic imaging category yeah. entry. But yeah. then they could take that same thing without showing you what went into it and stick it over in the photographic yeah. category. Not in the same year, and they can't, if one well, competes no. in one, it can't go yeah. in the other, but the point is made that there's no distinction between the two right the, now in the, in the IPC. And I think, I think they're going to have to start taking a look at that because, I'm sorry, but you know, when you do something like that, when you, you know, do something like that with a football player and call it a portrait you know, in the photographic category, when realistically you've put as much time and energy as you did in the electronic imaging category, it, it's, it's going to score better. It's going to overshadow if other people. If it's peoples. got 500 layers and lightning shooting out of his hands and stuff like that, <laughs> exactly. that's, that's not a, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's an art. When, it, is, yeah, when is a portrait no longer a portrait? Right. That's so the question. My, my, my opinion is the dividing line should be single image capture in the photographic category. Like, you take elements out, do your retouching, do your local whatever, you know, if you want a vignette or a texture or something like that. Then what but, do you do about HDR? HDR would be a, it's a graphic because it's multiple images. It's the same image, just layered on top of It's not a single image capture, but it is identical image capture. Right. It's not, so, other I mean, images aren't Somebody's going to have to sit down and write the rules. Uh, yeah. But to me, when somebody goes into something like the Grand Imaging Awards and, or any awards or, or seeing anything awarded as being a photograph, and they look and they see something that's like a 500-layer, 65-image composite that somebody makes, and it wins the wedding category... And you go, I, 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 as a wedding photographer, even a great wedding photographer, you go, I, I, yeah, I can't compete I against can't. that. How do you compete if that's, what's, if that's what everybody's winning? I, I, I think that line has got very blurred the past few years. Uh, probably the past three years, it's really, really got blurred. And I think IPC, if they are, is going to have to deal with it. If they don't, I, you're going to have a lot of people just be discouraged and not compete and everything else. So well, if you want to involve more people in something, you have to make it accessible, which means that you're going to have to separate this very advanced, Let me ask very you this. other thing. Let me ask you this, though. You said no composite. What about uh, simply replacing the background? 
Yeah, I mean, I think that as far as if that you goes... Look, if you look in the current uh, PPA magazine that features 33 diamond photographers, one image from each of them, a third of those images, the background was replaced. Absolutely, and I think that in that way that... There, somebody's going to have to decide where the line is. And you think even that, a, a composite's a composite. If you, are, if you are adding something to the image, that's a composite, they, and you shouldn't be doing that. The that easiest category. way to draw the line is to find the easiest place to draw it. And the right. easiest place to draw it is, like, you can't go, well, you can drop a background, but you can't add this. Right. You can't yeah, add yeah. that. Then Why becomes, split then, hairs? Then, yeah, then it becomes too much uh, subjective, and there's going to be fights. Why split hairs? Right. Photographs, simply, electronic imaging. What about removing something? Well, that's I think you're taking stuff out of the original capture. You're not adding things to the original okay. capture. So removing a cigarette butt from the grass is fine, but dropping in a sky is I would not say, good. I would say cool unless it's a specifically a photojournalism category of some kind, right. or like a, yeah. like candid imagery. I would say you, you know that image is going to get judged by different criteria than a studio portrait. So like if there's a cigarette butt on the ground, it should stay there. But, what if you, you know, what if you remove something? But then you have to replace what was removed. For example, I had an image that I put in last year, the canoe image, and you said to me, I would take all the tree out of the right-hand side. So I removed the tree and cloned in the sky. From the same image. From the same image. Then leave it. Okay. Then that's fine. Because I didn't bring in from another image. That's my point. Ah, I see what you're saying. That's my point. Ah, I see what you're saying. I think all these other situations you can come up with, everything is solved by saying, is it from that one image? Yes. Then, Then great. So if you uh, take the back of a church and one side, uh, the back of the church is a beautiful cross and the other side is, is not, and so you want to mirror the back of the church and cross it over so, there, so you've got symmetry, that's still from the same image. I think that's, and that's allowed. If you can Randy, your thoughts? I, I'm kind of going with Gary on this. I really do think that they're going to have to do something. I, I, I see people that are going to be discouraged here in a few more years if they don't do something. And it's something to hear you say that because this, it doesn't go against you in any way, but it makes it harder for you because you're at the, you're, because right now you have much more freedom as to what categories you enter into. Yeah, it, I'll be honest. It wouldn't change anything that I'm and doing. And with Randy's here, it's not... So you don't ever enter anything into the photographic category that's got some compositing? Not really. Not really? Okay. No, I mean, I mean it, it, compositing... It may be a different exposure of the same image, like right. your architectural but, stuff, right? But right. it's not. It's not. If, if you see what Randy enters stuff. into because photographic and what he enters into electronic totally imaging, different. it's completely different. Because I just assume that when you're as good at that level of Photoshop as Randy is, that it's almost impossible to look at an image that where you don't want to do something and add something to it because it's, you're so good at that. You know what I mean? Really? No, really. Wow, that's fantastic. No, no. no. That's fantastic. Most, most of my images in the photography category are single images or. You know, a right. bunch of the same images, different exposures. Living, dining, riding a unicorn <laughs> on the line between worlds at war. Between worlds at right. war. <laughs> on that note, I'm going to have to leave, guys. <laughs> Randy does, we do have to let Randy go. And oh. I think we're, only, we're at the wrapping point, actually. We, we can wrap this one up. Absolutely. Yeah. Randy, you're the best, dude. Yeah. Thank you for Thanks being Thanks so much for oh. coming in. Your, your, your expertise and your skill level is uh, dauntingly uh, scary to those of us who are just hacking it out on a daily basis. And to be one of those guys that is at your level and you're an absolute freaking sweetheart, man. You're just a gentleman. Yeah, you see Randy out and about or whatever, you can just walk up to Randy and, and, and start a conversation. You can't miss him. He'll be three heads taller than everyone else. <laughs> and dancing, baby. And he'll have a camera. And he'll be he'll dancing. Have a camera. All right, let's wrap this up. You can find us at photobombpodcast.com. You can email us at questions at photobombpodcast.com. You can find us in South Carolina at photocon. scphotocon.com. That's right. Gary will be speaking on headshots and I will be speaking on weddings and we will be doing photobomb live. The very first photobomb so live. So please 
please come and see us. Randy, where can they find you online again? Um, Randy, I mean, they can find me at rvdphotography.com. There you go. I'm at bourayperry.com. Gary is at hughesfiorelli.com. Yes, sir. We will see you next week. Hasta la vista. Mm-hmm. 